Welcome back to the Annick Castle podcast and the second part of our two-part special on the Fusiliers Museum of Northumberland. I'm your host, Daniel Watkins, and as mentioned on the previous episode of the podcast where we spoke about the museum itself, in today's episode, I'll be talking to the Chair of Trustees for the museum, John Armstrong, about the history of the regiment through multiple centuries and various conflicts across the world. Here's our conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. My second guest on this special Fusiliers episode of the Annick Castle podcast is the Chair of Trustees for the Fusiliers Museum of Northumberland, John Armstrong. How are you, John? I'm, I'm very well. Thanks very much, Daniel. You are here to tell us a little bit more about the regiment of the Northumberland Fusiliers and their history. So we'll start with a big, broad question of who were the Northumberland Fusiliers and how long have they been around? The regiment is a, an infantry regiment. Its origin was in 1674, and uh, that means to say that it's got 350 years of history, just about. In the 1680s, it was designated the 5th Regiment of the Line, and it's still going today under the name of the Royal Regiment of Fusiliers. And it has a very long history as the County Regiment of Northumberland. How did it become the county regiment, what's the connection with Northumberland? Well, the connection really goes back 250 years. And it happened like this, that uh, in the 1760s, the regiment was commanded by Colonel Hugh Earl Percy. And Colonel Hugh Earl Percy later became the second Duke of Northumberland. And Colonel Percy commanded the fifth for 16 years, from 1768 to 1784, and that included a long period of active service in the American War of Independence, uh, where he served with distinction. Incidentally, later he became a general, and uh, he was very much ahead of his time in a lot of his views. Be that as it may, he was asked in 1782 if he would support the regiment, the Fifth of Foot, having an association with Northumberland, becoming the county regiment of Northumberland. And we have what he wrote. I cannot hesitate one moment in wishing that the Fifth Regiment of Foot may bear the name of the county of Northumberland. So that's where it all started both as the County Regiment of Northumberland and the connection with the Percy family, and it all goes back 250 years. So that explains the Northumberland, and I should follow that up by asking, what is a fusilier? What is a fusil? Well, a fusilier is a soldier equipped with a fusil, and a fusil is a flintlock musket. And flintlock muskets were in service uh, during the 18th century through into the 19th century and it's a development of the musket which was introduced around about I think mid mid 18th century they were in all the armies of Europe and they went on being used right through to the American Civil War and that is how fusiliers came to be known 
as Fusiliers. They weren't known as Fusiliers in the earlier years of the regiment, but uh, they were designated Fusiliers in the early 19th century. And it was in the early 19th century that the Northumberland Fusiliers were very active in the Peninsular War, fighting back through Europe against the armies of Napoleon. That's where they got their famous nickname, the Fighting Fifth. Can you tell us about the Peninsular War and what happened in the Napoleonic period with the Fusiliers? Yes, this was a very important period for the, uh, the Fifth. And uh, the Peninsular War is fought in the Iberian Peninsula for the Spanish and the Portuguese to push back the French who'd invaded and occupied Spain and Portugal for the French Emperor Napoleon. And the British forces were led, famously led, by the Duke of Wellington. And it was in that war that um, the regiment acquired the nickname the Fighting Fifth. The Duke of Wellington, uh, he wrote, the conduct of the 2nd Battalion of the 5th Regiment in particular affords a memorable example of what the steadiness and discipline of the troops can effect. Curiously enough, actually, we've got some photographs of men who fought in the Peninsular War way back in the early years of the 19th century, 1807 to 1814. The photographs obviously were taken later in their lives. We've got a photograph of, for example, of... uh, Peter Newman, and he was born in 1793. When he was just 13, he ran away from home to join his brother in the fifth. Uh, Obviously, nobody thought about any kind of age restriction in those days. He fought in seven major battles of the Peninsular War, by which time he'd be 18, 19, 20, etc., and served in total for 30 years. And he died at the age of 84, in 1877. Now, in the photograph, he's wearing his General Service Medal with seven bars. Now, General Service Medals weren't issued until 1848, and they were issued to veterans of Waterloo and of the Peninsula and so on. And uh, the photograph, we think, was probably taken possibly in 1848 or a few years later, when he'd have been in his uh, late 50s. So his story, a reproduction of the photograph, and the actual General Service Medal that he wore with his seven bars are all on display in the museum. Amazing. But his are not the earliest items in the museum collection. You've got items on display going back a generation or two before him, going back to the 1760s and the Seven Years' War against France. Could you tell us about the very special snuff box that you've got in the museum? Well, I can. We have a very good collection, incidentally, for the Peninsular War. But uh, when we go to the 18th century, we have a few items, and they're really rather good ones. And we do have this uh, very, very beautiful snuff box, which was presented to the colonel commanding the 5th in appreciation of what the 5th achieved in the Battle of Willemstahl, 
on the 24th of June, 1762. And at that time, the Fifth were spending a couple of years or more of the Seven Years' War in Germany as we know it today. They were fighting for the Hanoverians. George II, after all, was um, Duke of Hanover. And um, they, they had a wonderful victory uh, at the Battle of Wilhelmstal. And we've got the journal of somebody who was there, Captain Thomas Bell. And he, um, he's quite a character, and he wrote about the battle. This is his entry for the 24th of June, 1762. Our whole army crossed the Dummel, we at Liebenau, to attack the French army. Lord Granby's corps was on the Durenberg in their rear before a tent was struck. The affair of this day called the Battle of Willemstahl. Had the column commanded by General Conway not marched so slowly, halted and dressed so often as it did, that part of the army would have been up time enough to have cut off the whole French body that had thrown themselves in the wood. The French retreated to Capel. 1,100 of the Grenadiers of France and the Grenadiers Royaux were taken by our regiment. And for that, uh, we uh, were presented, or the um, Colonel of the regiment was presented with this very handsome snuff box. It's very beautiful, and we display it in the museum. A great story. And by the end of the 19th century, the regiment is known as the Northumberland Fusiliers. They're starting to really have a strong connection to the northeast of England, and their motto, I think, has got quite a nice northeastern sentiment to it. Can you tell us about the regimental motto? Ah, yes. Well, actually, that's a very... goes back right to the very early years, and um, it may have a northeastern translation, but it's actually in Latin. It's quo fata vocant, uh, where the fates call. And uh, locally, it's often translated as uh, we gans where we And they did. They uh, did. And they went all around Europe, all around the world throughout their history. But their regimental depot was in Newcastle. Uh, can you tell us about the importance of the Newcastle region to the regiment, especially in the lead-up to the First World War at the start of the 20th century? Yeah, tremendously important. Regimental depots were established by army reforms in the 1870s. And the, uh, the depot of the Northumberland Fusiliers was at Fenham Barracks uh, in Newcastle. And here, in not so many years' time, the Northumberland Fusiliers would raise a quite extraordinary 52 battalions to fight in the First World War. And they were recruiting in Newcastle, Tyneside, Northumberland, and perhaps more widely in the Northeast. And, of course, so many people in the region have had connections with the Northumberland Fusiliers. They had fathers, grandfathers, great uncles, uncles who served in the First World War and came to see the special centenary exhibition uh, that we put on from uh, 2014. And so many visitors wrote 
in our visitors' books and wrote to us to say, visitors with and without Fusilier connections, that they had found the exhibition a very moving experience. So the Fusiliers, they were and they remain deeply rooted in the lives and experiences of people and communities throughout Northumberland and Tyneside and in the wider world where Geordies have gone, in Australia, in Canada, all over the world. The Fusiliers still serve today, I should say, and uh, as the Royal Regiment of Fusiliers, there's a regular battalion, but there's a Reserve Army Fusilier Battalion with its headquarters beside the Tyne in Newcastle, close to the quayside, not too far from the Tyne Bridge. So the connection with the region has stayed very strong, but they're not at Fenham Barracks anymore. What happened in 1968? Well, in 1968, the Northumberland Fusiliers amalgamated with Royal Fusiliers, the Lancashire Fusiliers and the Warwickshire Fusiliers to become the Royal Regiment of Fusiliers. And the system of a depot at Fenham Barracks finished and the museum had been uh, behind the gates of the barracks. And at that point, of course, it had to find a new home. And the museum had the very great good fortune to be made welcome at Annick Castle. And we'd been at Annick Castle for over 50 years. We opened here in the castle in 1970. And it's a story which started with the Second Duke all of 250 years ago. And here we are in the, in the castle today. We tell the story of the regiment. And above all, we tell the stories of its people. And it's not just about wars or campaigns. It's in peace. And as far as we can, we tell the personal stories in people's own words. Our displays are presented thematically, but the overall structure is the life and experience of a soldier and his family, from recruit to veteran, and indeed, uh, wherever the fate's called. What are the things that strike you when you're in the museum? What are the items that have caught your interest and bring this history to life for you? Well, of course, it's all the things with which you can feel a kind of personal connection. And uh, there's a famous saying that um, a sense of humour is uh, an essential in every soldier's kit bag. And museums tend to be rather serious, sober places. But uh, I hope that we have found a way of communicating some of the sense of humour, which is such a part of a soldier's life, such a part of Northumberland Fusilier's character. And another thing, museums can be is, as I say, rather serious, rather sober. And, of course, I think we are very, a very emotional experience for a lot of our visitors. And I think that the great thing is that it's engaging. We, we don't just look in, cast our eyes around and go out again. And for me, uh, I've found myself unexpectedly involved in the museum. And uh, 
I've become very much engaged in the stories that are told, uh, in the people, in the extraordinary histories of all the diaries and the extraordinary objects that, um, that we, we do display. There's a quote that you have that was recently in one of your museum visitor books that I think sums up everything you've just said. Can you share that quote with us to finish? Well, I can. Um, I was uh, very surprised to find this remark in this comment in the visitors' books. This is a brilliant quote, I thought, from a visitor from the West Midlands, and he, he wrote, This museum has genuine spirit. And that is a lovely line to finish this conversation on. So, John Armstrong, thank you very much for joining us today on the Annick Castle podcast. Well, thank you very much for having me. To hear more about the Fusiliers Museum, you can visit their website. You can follow them on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Or if you're visiting Annick Castle, you're able to visit the Fusiliers Museum at no extra cost. Please join me for the next episode of the Annick Castle podcast in two weeks' time, where we'll be talking about another aspect of Annick Castle and its history. If you like this episode of the podcast, please let us know by contacting us on Twitter at Annick Castle or by emailing podcast at annickcastle.com. You can subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode, and we'd appreciate any reviews or ratings you can leave. Until the next episode, I've been Daniel. Thank you for listening, and goodbye. <laughs>